Hello, Neil here, one side of the Fujicast marriage. The following show was recorded just prior to the new COVID restrictions announced in parts of the UK and, of course, world, which has seen stay-at-home orders placed upon families and those alone during a time many understand and have come to expect as a moment to bring people together. Saying keep the faith and keep believing seems to be somewhat of an empty platitude because that's what we've been saying to each other all year. But if there were ever a time to express the need to keep believing and truly, genuinely hold on to that, now really must be that time. When we say Merry Christmas today, these aren't just the hollow words made in the style of a £3 Christmas card with a jolly picture of Santa on the front. We mean it. The best way we and you can this year. And when this is done, and it will be, we look forward to meeting up at a Fujicast event. And you know what? We just may make it a hugathon for the day, unashamedly. The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. Kev, we did our weddings. We got our weddings in, in, in uh, London, and then boom, all shut down again. Yeah. So what you did last Saturday and what I did last Sunday, we would not have been able to do this Saturday or Sunday. Not that we could anyway, because it's Christmas, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And my, I have a wedding on New Year's Eve that is in Berkshire, and they are currently oh, no. uh, gone from tier yeah. two to tier three. The area, yeah, yeah. And and they're like, well, that's it, isn't it? I know. You, you know, the venue can't have them. So, <gasps> ooh, dude. Poor, I feel so sorry for them. Their wedding, they postponed it three times, and they just went, well, we'll have a nice afternoon with 13 members of our family on New Year's Eve, and, you know, we'll have a nice little kind of meal and everything. And then that's gone too. And now that's oh, gone. Yeah. I tell you, the wedding that I did on, on Saturday, uh, Sunday rather, last Sunday, that was their fourth attempt. The Fuji cast. Couldn't believe it. Four attempts. That was their fourth attempt to get a wedding in, and they just sort of... I suppose they snuck under the radar with it in the end, didn't they? Well, my one, the, the people I photographed, I spent an hour and a half with them. It was their third, third attempt. They were meant to be, on that weekend, I was meant to be shooting a big old wedding up in Scotland. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and their original wedding was meant to be a big old two-dayer up in Scotland. So I never went to Scotland. They got their one and a half hours in, in Teddington. And uh, at least they're married and they're in love. Yeah. That's the important thing. That's that's the most important thing, Kev. Embrace yeah. your inner romantic. Yeah, and they gave me a bit of money, which is good. <laughs> that's good as well. <laughs> right, welcome to the Fuji Cast. It's the um, it's the last one before Christmas. Then we uh, we'll tell you in a, in a moment what we're going to be doing uh, over the Christmas period in the new year. Um, if you'd like to uh, send a mail through, though, please keep doing them uh, because we we will need your questions once New Year starts again. Send them to uh, click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, if you're not a Fujifilm shooter, do not worry, as we always say. It's a big old loving community. And uh, whatever flavour you shoot, we'd put a big arm around you, figuratively, of course, because it wouldn't be allowed in any tier system that's in this country at the moment. Thank you to our friends who've supported us on Patreon. Uh, we got Kev's Book of the Week this week. Who is your Book of the Week, Kev? Well, it's 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 a textbook. Oh. It's not a photo book. Oh. I thought I'd give people some homework over the Christmas period, <laughs> so we will, we will get to it. All right. Um, okay, so that's what's on the show. And uh, uh, we've got a guest as well. Today it's Dan Milner, the American photographer, photojournalist and Blurb Books ambassador, who has a thing or two to say about the importance of, of being a creative. What's that? What? What? Was that you, Kev? I can smell it from here, by the way. Did something arrive at your office that, that has gone off? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yes. So yesterday yeah. a delivery came yeah. in, a, in a little white envelope. Uh, quite, it looked quite weather-travelled, that envelope, I have to say. And, and I thought, oh, I wonder what this is. And it, and it was titled, To the Boys of the Fujicast. Oh. And I looked at the postmark and it was uh, Norway, I think. Right. And uh, I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I opened it up. And good old Lars Hegard, bless him. Oh, the Dane. No, Lars, Lars the Dane. He's a Dane. Don't, don't call him a, Nor- a Norwegian. He's a Dane. Oh, Denmark is yeah. it? Okay. <laughs> well, I, well, Danish Danish post is shit because he posted it. He posted it at the beginning of October and it arrived yesterday, oh which, was the, which was the 18th of December. <laughs> no way. Oh, oh wow. Well. Yeah. There we go. Well, we got it. We got it. I've eaten yours. That's all right. Have you? What flavour yeah. was it, or were they? Well, w- well, actually, it was very interesting. What mm. there was two two sets of sweets each. 
One of them was um, like uh, pipes, licorice pipes, oh, right. you know, smoking pipes, licorice. Only, only my favourite then. You ate that, did you? They can't sell those in the UK anymore. Can't they? It's like smoking related. Of course, yeah. Uh, Albie loved it though. Yeah. And, and the other one was, I'm not really sure what on earth they were, but they were explosively salty and violently tasty, weird little brown <laughs> weird they said haribo on it but i was like whoa that's <laughs> I, I i i i don't even know whether they were joke sweets uh, yeah. they were like brain-blowing things was it but, was it that kind of haribo uh, yeah maybe that's why it took so long <laughs> maybe. well they got here in the end so thanks Lars. Well, i'm glad you enjoyed them <laughs> yeah don't choke good. don't choke on them or anything no, no. <laughs> oh, we've got enough sweets around here to be honest we've, we've got like a half hundred weight of stolen in the house at the moment i, I do love stolen but I'm a little bit worried. I might be. Uh, we might be in stolen excess in this place. Well, I've got a gift for you as well, but it hasn't arrived yet. I'm waiting. Right. I had my DHL notification on Tuesday saying it was out for delivery. So you've sent your present to my present to you. <laughs> was it something you wanted that you've just sent to yourself? <laughs> no, the <laughs> gift I'm sending to you. Oh, right. Okay. For Christmas. All right. It was it went out for delivery with DHL on Monday, which oh. was four days ago, and oh. it's still out for delivery. Oh. So um, it has to come to me, and then I have to send it to you. So don't don't Blimey. don't expect it this Christmas. Might get it 2022 then. But it's a good one. I'm really I'm I really thought, I, I thought really like it. You'd, you'd wrapped you'd wrapped Gemma up and sent her to me. Oh, sorry, Gemma. I apologise. <laughs> Oh, Git. Oh, there we go. I'm Git's new owner for 2021. Oh, my God. We've got new sofas, and I'm just everything. I'm pointing at the don't you even think about it. Does Git jump on, or does he, does he now know? Whoever in there. Gemma's oh. like, they're, they're part of the family. They must go on the sofa. And I agree. I do agree with that. They are, you know, they are allowed on the sofas. But I'm like, don't you smell. Don't you fart. Don't you lick. Don't you breathe. On these sofas. And it'll be you that pours beer all over it one day. You know that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And then the dog can look at you. Git can look at you and say, don't you put beer on there. Don't you don't put yeah. your feet up. You're lucky, actually, that you got rid of the chickens earlier on this year. Because otherwise, I know what Gemma's <laughs> like. She'd have been looking out the window thinking, oh, look at the chooks. Look at them. It's cold no, out no. there. Let them in, Kev. Let no. them come. come on, Bokeh, no. in you come. Come on, bring your friends in. Bring your friends in. <laughs> I think we've still got a guinea pig in the garden. Have you? Yeah, I think so. Right, okay. Um, well, one of them died in the summer, but the other one I think still alive. I haven't seen it for months and months. I think it's still there. <laughs> it's your small holding. Right, should we get on with some questions? Do you want, I think we should. Do you want me to go first or you? Um, uh, I, you went first last week, so I'll okay. go first. Off you go then. So this is from the Facebook group, the, the ever-increasing list of questions you're putting on there, you good people. I love it. Uh, Joel Gates, he says, um, oh, this is quite interesting. Question. Kevin, I was watching a couple of your recent YouTube videos, and the audio quality was fabulous with that big honking microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so you can, can you use that for the podcast? So you sound as crisp as Neil. <laughs> <laughs> well, he usually does, to be fair, when, when he's here. It's, it's yeah. only because you're in Bunker Malmesbury that, uh, yeah, that you've, right. we've had to go through, because uh, you're using the big microphone, but it's having to go through the squeezy Skype thing, isn't it? Well, that, that big honking mic he's on about in my YouTube videos is your sure microphone. Oh, is that, that you, the SM7B? Yeah, yeah. And I I, like, for I'm, my latest video, which I put up yesterday, I didn't use it. And the reason I didn't use it was right. because all he's right, Joel's right, the sound quality out of that thing is amazing. Yeah. But you have to get very close to it, and yeah, yeah. you know it, it, it plays havoc with my face detection on my GFX because it can't see my face. And I had so many um, questions. You know, you put these videos out, and the comments are, "Can't see your can't face. See microphone's your face. too I, big. I, use I, a different yeah, microphone." I knew you were going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so yesterday I didn't use it, and and the audio was rubbish. <laughs> yeah. So you can't win. But yes. Yeah, so that's so, Jarrell. That is the the answer. Is that. The, the microphone is Neil's one, and when we're in the studio, we do sound a lot better. Um, well, you, you're on, uh, we use a couple of... Uh, oh, I've forgotten which ones we use now. I haven't looked at your microphone for that long. Where is it? Has Kev still got a mic? Is it gone? <laughs> um, but, we yeah, we use studio mics in here for that. The, the Shaw SM7B, I mean, that's a brilliant microphone. Uh, and uh, I didn't realise, by the way, that Michael Jackson used to, apparently, used to use that microphone for, for his studio. 
Yeah, well, it's it's, it's, it's like the de facto one, isn't it? Well, I didn't. Yeah. Well, I didn't realise the Shure SM7B was that that old. I mean, no, with no offence to Michael, but I would have thought he'd have been using these lovely big Neumanns and stuff, but obviously not. 1984, I think that Shure thing came out. Was it? I think so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, but it's it's like audio technology is, it's all been done. There's nothing left to invent, is there? Yeah. You know, they they just it's not like cameras. Just, yeah, exactly. So there we go. All Thanks, right. Jarrell. Thank you very much. <laughs> That's the, the big honking microphone <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Tim Helps has uh, dropped us a line. Um, he says, so this is a bump to the front because he's a Patreon member. Uh, Good day, guys from Down Under. Have you ever been to Australia, Kev? <laughs> Not yet. Hang on, I'm getting my coat. <laughs> a question perhaps more for Kev. I am considering using a GFX 50R with some Voigtlander M mount lenses. In your experience, because you're our GFX man here, when adapting lenses to the GFX 50R, do the older 35mm film camera lenses generally cover the slightly larger GFX sensor adequately? Is this a case of yes, no, and maybe depending on the lens, with some being able to? Should we only be considering to adapt medium format film lenses to ensure good coverage? Enjoying the show. Thank you from Tim. Uh, well, the answer is no, really. Those those old 35mm lenses, they'll work with an adapter, but the GFX does have an option where you can... Uh, effectively tell the camera that you're using 35mm lens and it will do the I don't know what it does, vignette control and cropping and relevant stuff like that so it won't do it natively but it is right. it is doable and there is an option in the cameras to, to do it but yeah, I mean really if you're buying a medium format camera you know, with a big old sensor you, you probably, my, my opinion is that you want to be using lenses that can use that full sensor to get the best out of it of course, um seems a little bit like buying a Porsche and sticking Audi tyres on it. They probably own them anyway, don't they? Who owns? They probably do. Yeah. And I couldn't, I, I could only come up with Audi now. I couldn't think of a, a, a rubbish car company. Not that Audi is rubbish. <laughs> Hang on, Kia. Kia. Let's say Kia, because you and I got Kias. We no, can't get into Oh, no, I, I, like the, um, I like the Kia thing. So do I. Um, oh, by the way, on the GFX thing, why, why are you using that to make your YouTube? Since we're talking about GFX, and, and that sort of dovetails also into the microphone chat we had, why why are you using the the GFX for your YouTube films now? Not not something like a an XT three or um, well because like that. because I paid ten grand for the GFX and it ain't done anything. Oh, is that, <laughs> is that it? I stick it on the tripod. <laughs> I put it in film mode. I, I have to be honest. The the video I put up yesterday, which is the um, I just did one about five five of my favourite things from twenty twenty, uh, and literally that is that's totally untouched. There's no editing, no grading, nothing. It's all done in the camera. <gasps> and it is beautiful. I mean, I'm not beautiful in it. You can see all the horrible creases of my skin, but that, that's the downside of a, of a sense like that. It's very detailed. But, you know, the quality of the footage out of it is absolutely amazing. I'm just going to look this one up, Kev, actually. Um, here we go. Blah, blah, blah. My favourite things of 2020, photography gift ideas. I don't suppose it's too late, actually, is it? Uh, I mean, it might be for Christmas, but there's always the January sales. Let's uh, let's press this. Good morning, good afternoon. Oh, Hello, is. my photography friends, and welcome back to the YouTube channel. My name is... Are you sitting in a cave? Uh, that's because I'm not using your big-ass mic. you need the big-ass mic. That's what you need. I know what you mean about the picture, though. Isn't that glorious? Yeah. If you put it... You've got it on 4K setting. Oh, um, let me have a look. Has it automatically gone to 4K? No, it's not, not even... I mean, it looks great at that resolution. Let me stick it on 4K then. Boom. There we go. It's like having me sat on your lap, isn't it? Well, it practically is. Look, I can see every single lice in your head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is the downside. Uh, but no, I mean, that, that I shot that entire thing on the um, classic NEG film simulation in yeah. the GFX 100. Yeah. Not, not a drop of grading in Premiere Pro done You haven't that. graded that at all? Not not a touch, nothing. So did no. you? Sorry, I was. I'm still looking so closely at the picture. I, I, I didn't. I'm not sure if I heard you say you put it on automatic color, or did you choose a color temperature? No, it's on classic neg. On oh, classic. No, sorry, classic neg. That's film simulation though. But what about yeah. white balance? Sorry. Uh, white balance is set to daylight because I'm using a daylight balance light. And and that was it. Wow, that's, that's it. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. Does it take a lot longer to edit, though? Does, do you, does your machine grind to a halt with such large files? Not really. I shoot it in, um, what do they call it, two, uh, HVAC 265 rather right. than 264. 
So two six five two six five files do take longer to to edit though, don't they? Well, they they can do, yeah, but they're they're much smaller. So that film, when it goes up to YouTube, that the entire outgrade output of that film, which is fifteen minutes, was seven hundred megabytes. Um, So it, it flies up to YouTube. And the the editing can be slower on those files, but I just use proxies and it just flies through them. Oh, of course. Uh, yeah. So the benefit the benefit is, is far outweighs the the negatives. So there, there's um, I suppose there's a reason for us all starting to record an H two six five perhaps, and then then we should probably do something on proxy, shouldn't we? Really, blimey. Yeah. Proxies, honestly, and of course I do have a, a, a very powerful PC. I mean, it's got 128 gig of RAM and all that kind of stuff, yeah. but it's that helps but but yeah i mean honestly the the gfx for filming is is wonderful wonderful yeah right then uh your question uh okay my question another one from the facebook group i'm just randomly going up ding 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 stop spyros christoffi bet he's not from merthyr tidville (laughs) bet he's not Hello, Fuji fam. I'm a long-time Lightroom user and have been using Capture One for about a year. Ah. One of the issues I can't figure out how to readjust the capture time of images when using multiple cameras in the case they are out of sync. Something that forces me to turn back into Lightroom only because of this issue. I make sure to take a picture of a global clock as well, so I make sure that I have the time difference between the images captured with the camera. Any help or tips would be great. Much love from the island of Cyprus. Very nice. Very sunny, probably still, Ooh, always. Yes. Well, I, I don't use Capture One. No, I don't either. I assumed it would do that. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of a pretty standard thing, I would have thought. But yeah, don't know. Pass. I mean, I you could you you if you can't do it in Capture One and you and you really want to ditch Lightroom, then you can get something like Photo Mechanic, which will which will also do it, and that would be a one-off purchase then. So yeah, I mean, like, Capture One is I. I you know, this is why, like, workflow and little things like that, it just doesn't do it for me. But uh, I, I know that it's, you know, a lot of people love Capture One for for all the right reasons. But I think from a workflow point of view, I'd find it hard to use. Um, but, yeah, get something like Photo Mechanic or ACDC. Um, there's various various things that will allow you to do that. And then if, you know, if that's the only reason you're, you're subscribing to Lightroom, you, you know, you can ditch your Lightroom subscription and, and just get a tool to do it. Good luck with that one. Bill Hartley. Merry Christmas, one and all, unless this is being read after Christmas or New Year, in which case, Happy New Year to one and all. Well, it's before and after, kind of. Depends when you download it. I recently managed to buy an X-Pro2 from the Fujifilm refurbished kit element of their website. A couple of things to note. The team responding to my query were brilliant and patient, and the camera arrived looking better than new. I had um, an X-H1 from the refurb unit, and I must admit, um, it felt... In every way, shape, and form, as good as taking out, you know, of getting a new new box off the shelf. Really, um, yeah. Have you had some stuff out of refurb? Yeah, I have my backup X Pro twos. Uh, yeah, so I, I bought a, uh, an X Pro two and a X E two as backup cameras yeah. from from the uh, from the refurb store. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's yeah, very pleased. Five hundred ninety-nine pounds. Um, camera's been refurbished, guaranteed for a year. Job done. I bought the fifty mil f two, and I'm looking forward to using the camera beyond the snaps that I've taken as I adjust. I have the X one hundred f as well as the original X one hundred. I found that I could use my setup for the X Pro two with a few minor differences. Um, I'll be looking to move on from my current Nikon, Nikon, Nikon uh, kit in the new year as I discover the Nikon, car- Nikon uh, carrying. I've, I haven't got. Have we got the Nikon thing here. Nikon. There we go. That's the way to say it. Um, <laughs> I'll be looking to move from my current Nikon kit in the new year as I discover that carrying ten kilograms of Nikon <laughs> while photographing sport isn't so much fun anymore. I'll be replacing the Nikon after some research with Fuji. Would you a Fuji film? Would you guys know if there is to be an X Pro Four coming down the pipeline, or any of the XT or XH ranges? But without the flippy screen thing, which caused a real riot in the uh, the in the Facebook group recently. We'll come back oh, to that. Oh, flippy screen gate! God, yeah, flippy screen gate. Yeah, thank you for the show. Slowly getting to grips with the Photography Daily podcast as well. Thank you, Bill. That's very kind of you. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so X Pro Four. You've got your ear closer to the tarmac on this one than I would would have uh, i have no even if i did know i wouldn't be allowed to say anything no. but i don't know so i can't say anything 
But yes, I, I'm 100% sure there will be an X Pro 4. Yeah. When, what, how, no idea. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, it's the X Pro and the XT are their flagship cameras, so yeah. they will continue. Well, I can't see an XT5 sure. anytime soon. I think the, four's, uh, the the 4 is in, in mid-flow at the moment, isn't it, really? What about an well, X? Well, the, the 4 came only about six months yeah, after the 3, didn't it? I so, so there's going to, no, I, don't, I can't see there'll be an X2. An XH, well, <laughs> do you remember us asking uh, Andreas about the XH? And he always... Does his eyes always go uh, skyward, don't they? Understandably, of course. And I've always said I'd love an XH, but just go to town on it and make it make it a video camera. Stick some XLRs in there. Yeah. Bolster it up. I don't mind. Yeah, that's but, what I'd like. And the fact they've, they've taken so long with the XH line is, you know, they must be doing something pretty special with it is yeah. all I, I can think. Because I, I mean, no, I, I can't, know. I can't see the reason for doing an XH sort of along the lines that they had the last one. Because really, you've you've got the image stabilization now within the XT4. I, I just, it, it feels to me like it's time to say, let's do it. Let's let's have a let's have a video camera. Yeah, maybe they will. What about flippy out screen gate? <laughs> um, I don't get. I, t- I really don't understand why people are so het up about this flippy screen thing. I don't. What is that? Just flip it back in and leave it where it is. Why are people worried well, about it? I can understand it to a certain extent, I have to say. And I, I, I think it was David Murray who was who was most vocal about this. Mm. Now, I don't have an X-T4. I, I don't have one, so I don't know. But if I remember rightly, it's not a simple case of just flipping the screen down on the back like the X-T3. You have to do some kind of origami with it to, to kind of get it in the right place. So I can see I can see the, the argument for people saying they don't want that kind of uh, flippy screen. But, you know, there there is perfect screens on the X100V, the X-Pro3. Um, I think that that kind of thing for a stills camera is perfect. But, you know, the fact, the brutal fact of it is that these cameras sell because people want hybrid technology. You know, they want to be able to film. They want to be able to monitor themselves. And I think for cameras where... Uh, you know they they are putting in in good uh, aspirational video um, controls such as the XT4. Then yeah, they're they're going to have that kind of film that kind of screen, and and I would want that. I would, you know, I'm filming with my uh, GFX 100, and that's got a flip out screen on the back. It doesn't come around the side, so for me to monitor myself when I'm filming, I have to plug in a an external uh, monitor, mm. and you know, which is. Not ideal, but, uh, you know, the cameras, so the X-Pro, the X-T3, the X-100V, which were not really designed, or not so much the X-T3, but the X-100s, the X-Pro, um, the X-E range, have never been marketed as, uh, you know, brilliant for, for video because, uh, A, they don't film for as long, they have different, uh, slightly different codecs, all that kind of stuff. And so they don't have those, those flip-around screens, but the cameras that have been marketed as, you know, good cameras for doing filming have got those flip around screens yes i do think they could make the the flip around screens a little bit more uh, user friendly they always feel to me like they're gonna just snap off i'm i'm always a, i don't like you know pulling it down i'm lifting i've i've always i wince a bit every single time i do that with my xt3 i've got to be honest oh i never have any problems worrying about that do you never. not uh, no oh. <laughs> there goes one that's my X100V. <laughs> That's the flippy out screen gone. I uh, just yeah, but just looking at the flip out screen. I mean that is it's so the X100V flip out screen is just beautiful thing. Now I was quite vocal about not wanting a flip out screen on the X100, but they came up trumps. You know, it's flush to the body. You don't even know it's there. If you don't want to use it, you just don't have to use it. And just so everyone knows, the articulation on the X100V screen it just comes down, but it fl- it, it flushes back to the camera body, so you can't. It doesn't protrude. No, it's no, no protrusion. No protrusion. Beautiful camera, X100V. Yeah. My camera of the year. Is it? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's the only one I bought this year. Well, I did buy my GFX100 as well. That's true. Hang on a minute. You, you've bought yeah. loads of stuff. <laughs> what are you talking about? Recession. <laughs> Brexit. Um, <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> you've bought more this year than you ever have. Um, all right. I think we've got time for one more question before we go into today's interview okay so this one is from um, marco honklala do you think he's got that right anybody <laughs> no no have another go kev marco honklala close marco honklala marco ah so- oh, there we go say it with say it with purpose 
Mark, he's got a silent K in his first name. Oh, we know what Kev, silent Kev, K's. Know what Kev How many about. trees would have been saved if they never invited, invented silent letters? You imagine that if you were Evan Mullins. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the question is, uh, two questions. Kevin, would you be interested in trying to convince Fujifilm to create a monochrome-only model, oh. say an X-Pro-M, <laughs> X-100M yeah. or the like? And number two, Neil, would you buy one? Mm. Now there's a thought. And he goes on to say, I love the look of the Leica monochrome sensor. Images, serious draw factor there. Mouth dry and price tag though. So, um, monochrome. Sat- we've had this question before. Yeah, and we've we had have, these conversations yeah. before over many glasses of whiskey. Yeah. Um, have we? Have you been drinking whiskey during the show? Yeah, always. You were saying drinking coffee. Um, There's only one yeah. time of the day where you can drink whiskey. That's airport time. If you go to an airport, clocks don't exist. Or, or we're in Christmas rules, of course. It's been Christmas since April. All right. Yeah. Like, you're allowed to do what you want. <laughs> That's true. I, I, <laughs> I would say yes. I have. I, I have canvassed many times as lots of people have yeah i even uh, think that andreas has also and uh no there isn't one i i honestly don't think there ever will be one i was secretly i was hoping that they would do a limited edition very expensive uh x100 for the 10 year anniversary mm. but they didn't um you know, and and the reason the reason why is they just would, I don't think it would sell that. I much. just think That's it would be st- just style over substance for what is effectively a company. I think interested in larger market share for all. Whilst you got Leica, of course, in a, in a very niche position, producing exactly this. I mean, are we destined to simply work the way I do with my my X Pro One, work in black and white simulation mode, monitor and shoot it black and white, job done, or or of course shoot raw and. Just carry on converting to black and white. It's not quite the same. I, I know what you mean with the Leica. You know, I think I know some people that have the new Leica. I think it's called the M10 or something, monochrome yeah. 10. Yeah. Uh, and 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 they have sent me some raw files, and they are beautiful. The dynamic range in the shadows and the highlights are amazing. So okay. it's not just a case of shooting raw on a camera that has a color sensor, because you need a camera if you, to do it properly. You would have to do it like Leica, which is to have a sen- a monochrome sensor where there is no color filters it's not a case of just disabling the color and making it black and white in camera it's a proper proper monochrome sensor and that is expensive that's Mm. expensive to do and would it sell enough to make it worthwhile don't know and of course you have to remember the fujifilm heritage is all about color you know they're they're, that's that's how they made their brand on the on their color film and you know with I know, I mean, I've, I have spoken to people pretty high up in, in the Fujifilm world who who would like to do it uh, purely from a, you know, they're photography lovers. They would like to do it. But, they, you know, they can't, they don't make those decisions alone. It's it's a huge marketing, mm. PR, cost, yeah, all of that stuff. And, you know, let's be honest, you, right now, the camera industry is, is pretty much on its knees, isn't it? So... Yeah. I don't, maybe I don't know not, whether there's space for that kind of thing. Maybe not the right um, time. But I would love it. Yeah. Well, in, in the meantime, by the way, uh, look, I've, a box arrived from Fujifilm. Oh. Yeah. So, I don't Have you had a box? Have you had a little gift? Is it? Is it a white box? Uh, no, it's a cardboard box, but it's got... Oh. Yeah, well, cardboard can be white. No, we'll say, well. yeah, it's, it's a brown cardboard box. It's got some packaging in here. It's a camera. Mmm... Let me have a look. This is very exciting. Yeah. Did you not get a camera from Fujifilm? No, I didn't, you little git. <laughs> Let's put that over there. It's like an unboxing, Kev. Yeah. You need to do a flick out with your flick knife and make it all blurry and cool and then get on a, a one-legged motorbike or something. Oh, no, I forgot. Yes, no. Oh, this is lovely. I've got my X-T3 back. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what a bloody anticlimax that was. I thought for a minute it was going to be an X-T4. I thought, no way. You heard me bleating on about it. No, it's my X-T3. I already, I, I, my number was on Andreas's number on my phone then. I, was just, I, should have, I should have said, it's an X-T5. Oh, no, it's an X-T3. Do you remember the one that I um, uh, that some Egypt managed to kick across, across the ground at the yeah. Brighton Marathon? And for, oh, they repaired it for you. For nearly two years, I've been going around. It shows you how resilient they are, by the way, because I, I the, the screen was totally cracked on it. And I just put a load of sellotape on it because I thought, well, I've, I'm busy at the moment. I can't afford to lose that camera. And so mm. I've had it like that for about, well, best part of two years. <laughs> and it's worked absolutely perfectly. Even the touch screen worked. But look, that's a shiny new screen. Look at that. 
How exciting. How exciting. But uh, but the other box is obviously an XT5, which uh, I'll look after. (laughs) Right, let's um, have our interview today. Uh, We'd like to introduce you to Dan Milner, who I've had before as a guest on my Photography Daily show. Um, He's a photographer and a creative with many decades of experience and more latterly a proud proponent of printing your work in books and magazines and more specifically in Blurbs Range, who he is an ambassador for. He thinks we uh, undervalue ourselves as creatives on all planes, that we should really celebrate the fact that we are different, that our contribution to society can thrive, even in these these times of... Uh, I can't even mention the word. For Dan, who does shoot digital on a Fujifilm camera, if the feeling takes, film is still a go-to. It always has, and by the sound of it, always will be. A vast amount of the work I've done over the years that was decent was on film. They're your words, Dan. Um, yeah. What connection did it bring that digital doesn't quite? And people should know that you were a fairly, well, no, you were, you were a very early adopter of digital before most of your colleagues. Yeah, I was shooting assignments. Well, I mean, I shot a digital assignment in 1994, I guess, for the paper. It was the strangest camera you've ever seen. It was horrible. There was no preview. It was slower than shooting color neg and processing it. But the paper knew that the technology was the future and they had invested in this. And so they forced it. I had shot a professional basketball game with strobes mounted in the ceiling of the arena and it was just painful. But by 97 with Kodak, you know, they had the DCS 520 and 560. Those were the first real cameras. You could do a six column newspaper uh, image. You could shoot catalog, you could shoot fashion, that kind of stuff. And I knew I was like, all right, this is going to be here. This is what the photography is going to become. And so I went digital, but I, my honeymoon was, was a couple of years. And then I thought, I don't really want to do this. And the funny part is when I went digital in 1999, I left Kodak and started working again as a photographer. And I was, I was all digital. And I remember I was shooting an assignment in Arizona and the client was like telling everyone that would come by, Hey, look at this guy, look at this photographer. He's not even using film. He's using this thing called digital and blah, blah, blah. And then two years later, I was like, Oh, I don't like this. I want to go back to film. But when I went to digital, there were a, a fair number of people in Los Angeles at labs, at dealers, other photographers that said, you're going to go out of business. You cannot shoot professionally with a digital camera. And I was like, I think I can. And then two years later, when everybody was going digital, I went back to film. And the same exact people said, you're going to go out of business if you shoot film, you have to shoot digital. And I was like, no, I don't think so. I think it's about the quality of the work. And then it's also about lifestyle. And so that's the point I want to make about film and digital is that um, what's considered the weaknesses of film, the limitations, the cost, the logistics, et cetera, are what's beautiful about film. Mm. The fact is, I have a Leica, my M4, and I've got a roll of you know TMZ or Triax or something. I'm, I'm, I'm limited. I better pay attention to what I'm doing because... I've got, you know, a limited supply. I've got 36 exposures. Uh, I loved the camera gear. My M4 Leica, my Hasselblad, those are my two favorite cameras. They're they're unchanged. They're both 50 years old mm-hmm. and they're unchanged. They're just boxes and there's nothing. You look through the finder, there's nothing in there. And so it was a very sort of basic, pure, simple way of working. And if you're thinking about your equipment in the field, you're not thinking about what you should be thinking about because you should be thinking about light and timing and composition and talking to people and access and not about like, you know, what preset you have on your X-T2. It just doesn't matter. And so film to me is a lifestyle. That's the difference. There's no computer required unless you want to. And there's no immediate satisfaction or immediate commitment. When you're in the field with film, I find that you are far more connected to the subject matter than you are with digital because there is no way to see what you're doing. And it, it's just so basic. You strip it down, you go out and you cannot see. You can't share, you can't see. You just focus on what's in front of you. And I think it's a better way of working. All the best work I've done, I think for the most part, uh, is with film. Mm. There is a project I'm working on right now that I am not going to talk about because it's too early. Um, And it's digital. And I I shot film the first day on this project, but realized immediately that digital was the better option, was the better tool, and that digital would allow me to make a style of image that I couldn't make with film. And so I was like, great, I'll use digital. And that's, that's what I do is it's just based on, on the concept that I'm trying to get across and what's going to make me happy in the field. And then what's going to allow me to get the result that I'm, I'm needing. Nothing else matters. 
And um, that's how I break it down. Is a camera just a tool is a question we recently had. This seems a good time to throw it in, actually. Yeah, I mean, it is and it isn't. So it is a tool, obviously. And, you know, you ch- you choose whatever you want. I mean, I hung a, a, a print on the wall the other day and I had this really cool mounting system I hadn't used before that required a screwdriver. So I took a screwdriver and not a hammer. Mm. And to that degree, yes, the camera is a tool, but you can also fall in love with your camera because the camera allows you to make things that will change your life. So for example, if I go back, if I look at my work in general, the two going all the way back to the eighties, the two cameras that were the most important were the Leica and the Hasselblad. And so those make a very specific kind of photograph. They're very, they're very good for certain types of subject matter and they're terrible for other types of subject matter. But the result I got with those cameras changed my life. And so if you said to me, you're on a desert island and you can only have these cameras, what would you take? I'd take the Leica and the Hasselblad. The Fuji is a much more diverse camera system. I can shoot anything with the Fuji. Portraits, reportage, sports, whatever I had to shoot with the Fujis, I could do it. But um, I, maybe I don't have the same love affair with those cameras, but I also haven't used them as much. And, and I don't make a living with my camera anymore. So I don't have that same kind of attachment. And I started with Nikon. I shot Canon for many years when they came with autofocus in the late 80s. I switched over and then I've shot, you know, Pentax, the 6x7, the 6x9s. I've used a lot of different camera systems but it is a tool, but you can also fall in love with it. And falling in love with something is not a bad thing because if you're in love with it, it's so close to you and personal to you that you don't think about it. All you're thinking about is the end result, which is ultimately for all of us is the only thing that matters. You know, let me see your, let me see your contact sheets. What have, what have you actually made? It doesn't matter the aperture, the megapixel. It's like, what, well, let's see the goods. What do you got? You know, that's why... That book that came out a few years ago, Magnum Contact Sheets, that's a book. Those photographers who put their contact sheets in that book, they just expose themselves. Um, there's no hiding from that. Uh, Robert Frank's show, The Americans, that traveled around a few years ago. I saw it both in New York and I saw it in London at the Tate. And part of the exhibition in both cities were enlarged contact sheets from Robert Frank. And it was the most telling thing I've ever seen about Robert Frank because you are exposing yourself, everything about you when you put a contact sheet down because you can't hide. And there's, there's blown exposures, there's blown focus, there's bad composition. And you're like, whoa, but then all of a sudden you see that photographer, you see Robert Frank become Robert Frank on his contact sheets. Mm. It's just a remarkable experience to watch that. I'll tell you what, Dan, listening to you talk about Robert Frank, I wish I had been lucky enough to have gone to one of your lecturing lessons, because I I know that lecturing, mentoring is a very precious side of of what you do, and the teaching is a very precious side of of what you've done. What do people come to learn primarily from you, do you think? And somebody who has a vast experience in the field, is is it the business? Is it the artistry? I know know it can be both and should be both, but but what, what do you see from those entering this now? Because it's a very different commercial landscape why people become photographers. Yeah, I mean, I hope. I I just answered an email before you called me from a 26-year-old kid in Germany who wrote me an email that's probably four pages long. And it's incredibly heartfelt email. And he had found me through uh, Advancing Your Photography channel, Mark Silver's channel, and then had watched all my videos and said, you know, I kind of felt like the, the stars were aligned that I found you because you're saying some things that have resonated with me. And so I love passing on data, information about photography, about publishing, about bookmaking, cycling, yoga, Lyme disease, anything that I think I'm, I have a fairly decent history with. I love passing on that data. But I think with photography in particular, and here's what's really intriguing to me, is that people are reaching out now that are very well-established photographers who are far better than I ever was, who are reaching out to me and saying, hey, I heard you talking about something and this is, you are spot on. This is really important. It's what we talk about behind the scenes, but nobody's talking about this in public. So I think for me, if I could pass on one thing is that as a creative human being, as a member of society that puts creatives in their own category, and you could use artist in that terminology, whether you consider yourself an artist or not, I do not consider myself an artist. Maybe I'm a creative person. So society looks at you in a different way. You are creative. You're an artist. You're different. And I think every single person is creative, but a lot of people have had it taught out of them. They've had it threatened out of them. They've had it sucked out of them in their job or their career. And so they put you on a pedestal. They put you in a different category. And that category comes 
comes with inherent power. It comes with a power to be different, to act different, to do different. And some creatives understand it and a lot don't. And they give it away Mm. or they're allowed to be told, you know, like, for example, you go to a festival, a creative festival, and, and the business panel people get up and someone on the panel will inevitably say, if you are a photographer, you have to do X. You know, everybody in this room needs an Instagram account. I'm sitting in the back of that room and I'm saying, wait a minute, you're taking this auditorium full of some of the most creative people on earth and you're telling them that they all have to do the same thing. Mm, I'm a little suspicious. Why would that be? Are you lazy? Are you trying to sell them something? Are you trying to keep them contained in the same funnel? Are you trying to keep control over them? I think creatives have far more power and far more relevance to things like the GDP than they give themselves credit for. Mm. And so if I, and, and I'll give you just one quick example, if you have time for it, which is I was asked to review portfolios last year, and that's something that I really don't do a lot anymore because I don't work as a photographer. I don't want to mislead people. And if some a college student with a fashion portfolio comes up to me, I don't really know what to tell them anymore. I honestly don't. I don't know anything about the fashion industry. But I love this organization. And they said, will you review portfolios? I said, sure. So I sit down and I've probably got a half a dozen people whose portfolios I need to look at. We have 20 minute increments. That's kind of the standard par for the course procedure at these things. They sit down, first person sits down, whips open their laptop, spins it around, hit, starts hitting the arrow keys and just ripping through this gallery of work. And this is, a, a I would say, an accomplished photographer, uh, young, but, but talented and heading in the right direction. And I'm like, whoa, 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 stop. Why am I looking at this work? Why are you sitting here? So over the course of the first of the half day where I'm looking at portfolios, I ask everyone the same question and not a single person can answer that question. And I don't look at anyone's portfolio. And so I say to them about halfway through the review, okay, if you want to look at images now, we'll we'll go ahead and look. And all six people go, well, I don't want to look at images. I want you to go back and explain to me what you're talking about, about creatives having power. So about halfway through the day, the, the organizers come over to me. The founder of the organization comes over and goes, um, just out of curiosity, what are you talking to people about? And I go, I go, why? <laughs> and she goes, because people have come up and said, that's the best review I've ever had. And we never looked at my work. And I said to them the same thing that I just said to you is I go, we're missing something here. Creatives are missing the point in some ways is that we have more relevance than we want to give ourselves credit for. And again, it's because the population puts you in a different category of being able to do things and say things that the quote unquote normal person or non-creative person can't do. And so I'm like, why not take advantage of that? And uh, to me, it's the single most important thing I can pass on. It's more than pressing the button, right? The photography, the life of of a creative is plays a very specific role in society. We need them more than ever. Now here in the U.S., it's very it's tricky because art school funding is getting called. You know, there's systematic testing in schools. It's not a healthy educational environment. But being a creative is very, very important. And for many photographers, isn't it good to hear that word attached to what we do? Oh, please. After you finish today, you may want to think about joining me on my podcast, Photography Daily, where this week we're talking with Björn Kommerman, the LA-based showbiz photographer who found his fortunes change quite by the kind of chance any of us can have. Tuesday, I'm hoping we'll have uh, three wise photographers still planning, and Wednesday it's Jamie Windsor, the YouTuber, part two. And this is probably a good time, Kev, to, um, to say what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks. Uh, because the the show is changing. There's no guests next week and the week after. It's uh, it's just me and Kev, blind drunk. Yeah, <laughs> as always. I'm always blind drunk. Can't you tell? <laughs> no. like, oh God, I've got to go on the podcast with Neil again. I need to drink. <laughs> That's it. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Are you not doing Dry January then? Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, okay. You and I, let's let's do it. We'll do dry January. No, we, and try, we, will... we tried to do dry, dry November, didn't we? We lasted till about the 4th. <laughs> I lasted till about 4pm. <laughs> uh, but no, I'm, I'm happy to commit to it on air if you are. Really? I'm just, I'm desperately trying to think now if I've got any social engagements in 2021. Nope. Nope. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Let me look at my diary. Anything going on? Nope. Not nope. till May. 
Nothing. <laughs> oh yeah, we should do that, Kev. Dry dry January. And do you think? Well, that- I cannot. I can only do it on the. It has to start on the second of January for me, though, because I it? like first of January is is yeah. a good day for. What about drinking. what about starting on the fourth then? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Should, should we? Uh, uh, let's should we just not do it. Let, we shall consider. Yeah, we shall consider. <laughs> what do you think? Should we do it? Oh, all right. Well, the button box spoke. What? Do you, um, I, I don't know. But there's. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to put a, I'm going to put a poll up in the Facebook group. Put, put, a, poll put a poll up. up. I'm doing it right as we ask. Speak. Ask Bokeh Chicken. What do you think, Bokeh? <coughs> oh, Bokeh says we should. <laughs> should Neil do Dry January? No, not yes just no. me. It's you as well. Oops, I forgot my name. <laughs> <laughs> so look, the next couple of weeks, the show is going to be slightly different um it's uh it, we're, we're gonna it's, it's kind of like a look back at uh, the year shouldn't take too long because we've not worked that much <laughs> and and then our expectations for 2021 which of course uh, looks like it, it won't start straight away anyway so that shouldn't be a long show either uh, so two short shows one one um next monday and one the following monday the 4th of jan um the first monday is the 28th isn't it of course oh we're on bank holiday um because we haven't had enough holidays <laughs> this year yeah have you put that in then is that just a i bit? have oh god so those of you who, who are on the facebook group and seen that just pop up now will know that we're doing that as we record <laughs> you'll, you'll know when the show is recorded yeah ah right um so uh, back into questions then we've got your book 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 of the book of the week coming up um let's start with a question it's your turn isn't it is it your turn or my turn it, my turn it is it's your, your turn. turn yeah this is from joe marici um hi neil hi kev uh, my name is uh, Joe from Australia. I won't play the jingle again. And yes, I have been to England. See, it's role reversal there. Started shooting Fujifilm about three years ago. It brings me a joy to shoot. Uh, it's a hobby as my day job is video post-production. I've been listening during the uh, from the beginning and, and thoroughly enjoying it, lads. During lockdown around April, I had to slow down for, uh, the listening due to the birth of my second child, Leo, born April 1. No joke. Well, congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. I love Leo as a name as well. Yes, yeah, nice. nice name. Uh, yeah. I'm now um, a binge listening and making my way back to the current day. I'm, I'm at 149. Not so far to go. Keep going. You mentioned in an older podcast about what you'd done when sick on the day of a wedding. Here's a question. Have you handled family emergencies, family events, any stories? Thank you for the podcast, fellas, from Joe Marici, who's in Australia. Um, we, we have talked to... We, do you know, funnily enough, we haven't answered an awful lot of questions about weddings. The, the workings of a wedding. It's mainly been about <laughs> when we'll get back to work at a wedding. But mm. they're actually talking about a wedding as if they were still ongoing. It's quite a welcome break. Um, yeah. I mean, we, I, I've always... I, I belong to a, um, a, a small collective, as does Kev. We're in the same one. So, yeah, we kind of cover each other if we were ill. But, of course, if you, if, if you were doing a wedding already, Kev... That's you know there's there's there are other people around that would support each other. I like to think that wedding photographers are quite a supportive bunch to each other, and they they, yeah. they they would help each other out. Yeah, they would. But I think this question is more about rather than being ill, is has there ever been any kind of a family, your own personal family emergency that's that's happened while while you were meant to be on at a wedding? Well, definitely yes, because my mother died on the day of a wedding. Mm. Um, so yeah, I can say yeah, hand on heart, yeah, that happened. I re- I remember it was a, at a particular venue um in oxfordshire and um i always it's very hard for me when i go to that venue now it's a beautiful venue i I love the venue but if i ever park my um car it it generally tends to be the place where i went out and had a, a good think for about half an hour while i was deliberating what was going to go on and and if i had to leave early and and all those questions that were coming into my mind as a hospital and my, my Auntie Judy had said, you know, you are going to have to come to the hospital soon. Uh, and I knew that that word soon meant very soon. And I was about an hour and a half to two hours drive away. So that was a that was a very difficult day. Very difficult day. I still did the wedding. I did it up to the first dance with conversations between myself and the hospital and my, my aunt and my uncle who was by... by uh, my mum's uh, brother, who was who was there by the time um, that the first dance came around, and they they were all saying, "Look, she's in a coma. She'll be with us. It's okay. Finish your job." And I had to finish my job. I did that. I did that job. 
You know what? That that couple never ever said, "I'm sorry to hear it." Did you tell them on the day? No, what I didn't happening? tell them on the day. I told the best man on the day. Um, right. I said, "Look, this this is the story." After the first dance, I because I normally stay for about half an hour into mm. the dancing, um, and I said, "After the first dance, I, I am going to slide out the back door." And he was fine. Of course, he was fine. The best man, but. Um, and the band was good as gold. I think I've told that story, haven't I, about about the band yeah. that on on the day they started on the dot eight pm, uh, and he sort of winked at me and did a sling your hooks sign to me, and I I disappeared. But uh, I never heard from that couple. They never said. Uh, I, mean, I, I just got a. I think maybe I got, the best man never told them. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. he didn't want to kind of upset them. No, like, that's true. That's probably what happened. It's interesting though. If, if uh, between blokes. You'd say it when you take care of you know you know what happened you know blah 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 I'd, I'd have told you that's very strange but uh, no I'm not that I needed uh, um, their their conciliatory note I didn't need that but um, I, I always remember is it funny the things that you remember I remember it, in my first year I did sixty nine my first full year I did sixty nine weddings oh, and I had one weekend that I had four weddings Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday and on the Wednesday night. So the Wednesday afternoon, Gemma's dad had come out of hospital. He'd, he'd been in hospital, very unwell, big right. brain operation. Um, and that had been taken up all of our time for months and months and months. He came out on the Wednesday afternoon and, uh, you know, we went and got him. And then about 6 p.m. the same day, Wednesday afternoon, uh, as I'm kind of getting myself ready for these four weddings in four different parts of the country, yeah. Rosa, who was seven months old, Broke a leg in the garden, right. fell over a right. pair of Wellington boots, broke a femur. And so we were back in the hospital by eight o'clock, yeah. same bloody place. <laughs> and they uh, they had to keep her in and they, she had to have a general anaesthetic operation, which they don't like doing for babies. You know? No, no. And, and, I was, and I had to go off and shoot these weddings. And I was, I was in pieces. I like, bet. In total pieces, and and Gemma was, you know, obviously had to deal with it all by herself. Bless her. So yeah, that was that wasn't nice. That that was playing on my mind a lot. Did you tell? Did you tell them? I can't remember. I mean, this was twelve years ago. No, I can't remember. No. But I, I one of the weddings, I had a second shooter or a friend of mine who was who was interested in becoming a photographer came along, and obviously I told her. But yeah, it was it was just horrible, you know, and yeah. kind of texting back and forth and. You know, issue out of surgery and and all that stuff. Yeah, not nice. No. Have you ever been really, really ill, really crook, as um, as they would say in Australia? Since the question comes from there, have you ever ever thought, oh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this day? I haven't. I have to say, I haven't. And and touch wood, and I am touching my beautiful wooden table that Gemma made me with her own beautiful hands. Um, <laughs> I I typically, you know, I don't very often get colds or or things like that. I know, I know. That's why I'm touching all these wooden things. And blowing and washing. I'm washing my hands now. Get the lucky um, cow walking in front of you. <laughs> now the lucky cow says you're okay. I just washing my face in whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, that got to do I, uh, with it? Yeah. So no, I haven't. I haven't oh, been. I mean, I, I've been a couple of times. Felt a bit queasy, you know, yeah. a little bit weird, yeah. Yeah. but nothing, nothing. I haven't well, been throwing up in the loos or anything like that. No, that's because you do the optics when you get there. You should stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't run the optics. Yeah. Where's Kev? Yeah. Oh, he's running the optics. He'll be he'll be he'll be all right in a minute. Get him some yeah. coffee. No, I know that would be um, yeah. I'm, I've had flu and stuff like that at weddings. So I, you know, when I was doing my GCSEs, it was the mock, so I would have been 15. I had both my mum and I both had flu at the same time, and this is proper bedridden flu. But I also had chickenpox at what? exactly the same time. So the doctor came. And they, they were going to hospitalise me at one point, and he was like, oh, you know, you are really unwell. I couldn't, my legs, my arms, everything was, just didn't work. Nothing worked. And on top of that, I was covered in um, chicken pox chicken as well. Chicken pox, yeah. No, not that, okay. It's all about the pox. <laughs> but that was when I was 15. Got me out of my mock GCSEs, though. Ace. <laughs> oh, God, Kev. <laughs> uh, right. Um, I think, should we go for a book? 
Uh, let's go for the book first, and then we'll come back with some more questions before we before we finish up for Christmas. Close the okay. doors and open the whiskey. Okay, my uh, photography friends, I have some homework for you. Um, so, as it's Christmas, I thought I would make it really hard. <laughs> um, today's book is a beautiful, actually a really beautiful little book. It's called Photographers on Photography, oh. How the Masters See, Think, and Shoot. It is, uh, there's 50 old photographers in it. It's a little hardback book it's kind of a5 size 15 pound i think from um, amazon you'll be able to get from amazon and we will of course link to it on the fujicast podcast website um so there's kind of stories and techniques each photographer has a page there's people like gary winogrand uh vivian sasson Irvin penn Dada mariama tacita dean um Uh, only small names then no (laughs) nobuyuchi arakai uh all of these people there's there's loads it's really cool so i'm just Mm. literally flipping right page 78 is a lars tumbjork uh and he's and the quote is uh, on the top for his one it says i tried to take photos like an alien um <laughs> and then there's uh, there's a set of four amazing actually really cool little pictures if you think about that uh, that's, a, that's a really interesting thought isn't it the, 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 yeah. the fascination that an alien would have if you if he landed on this or she uh, yeah. la- landed on planet earth today yeah and the pictures look like that actually they, they are very kind of cluttered and and you know the kind of things you you'd think what's going on in this world um i'll just read out the paragraph on his page it takes a special set of eyes to make somewhere so ordinary appear so outlandish when lars tumbork photographed offices around the world he homed in on the idiosyncratic details under desks and the mountains of corporate clutter surrounding chaotic workers his pictures make the employee appear as if they are caught up in a madcap world of administrative duties as they dash around the office and organize papers on the floor there's a sense of that living they are they are feverishly chasing uh, has inadvertently led to their entrapment uh it's pretty cool and i will go uh so well, Ralph let, me, Gibson. let me let me choose a let, can i choose a page have you got this book no oh, oh you, but i thought choose i might choose a page, a page at yeah, random yeah, yeah. so choose, pick, um, pick a page number 45 mm, 45 is alison jackson and the quote on her page is photography creates a desire mm. and there's a picture of um well um i don't really know how to describe this have a go <laughs> <laughs> it's titled Wills Tries Crown on Kate 2011. Oh, okay. And it's Prince William and Kate Middleton. And they hadn't, uh, they, hadn't snu- they hadn't snuck into the crown room. We're trying on the Queen's crown. She it appears what? that way. And she's what? not wearing too much stuff. Oh. So I'm, I'm fairly sure that that's a. Uh, that's that's a. Um, that's candid. <laughs> yeah, it's very candid. Anyway, the, the quote, the, the, <laughs> the writing on here says, Alison Jackson presents a comically absurd alternative reality to the already comically absurd alternative reality of celebrity culture <laughs> yeah. using lookalikes. There we go. Uh, Jackson stages fictitious scenarios right. that push the image of a particular celebrity to yes. the extreme. Yes. What's most revealing, however, is that her pictures continue to hold a strange allure. And she's damn right. Even when we know that they are fake, (laughs) it's as if we want or need to keep believing in what we're seeing. That is so interesting because when I was looking at that picture, I was thinking that this can't possibly be real. They they look so real. Uh, You know, they just look so real. And also this was taken in 2011. So it's not using AI face, deep face thingy-majiggies or anything like that. Yeah, so that's interesting. Wow. Uh, okay. Page forty-four. Don't don't go to that page if you're a, a little bit prudish. Um, let's sorry, find sorry. one. Pick another page. I'm sorry, I one picked more. it. Um, another page. Let's go. Let's um, whip along to page sixty-three. Sixty-three. Sixty-three is Paul Graham, and uh, the set of pictures there is a uh, old man having a cigarette stood by a wall. Uh, and the quote on his page is the photo- the photography I most respect pulls something out of the ether of nothingness. And uh, yeah, so it's it's kind of yeah. street photography, can street photography there. Uh, what a great book. So it does have. I thought for a minute you said there were no pictures in it, but there are pictures. But there are pictures, and they're explaining about them. Right, so right. it's it's the idea behind it is that you get inspiration really um so there's one irving penn's one for example his quote says i myself have always stood in awe of the camera i recognize it for the instrument it is part stradivarius part scalpel (laughs) wow let's go let's flick well they're all famous in their own world i suppose but it's more household names let's see what we can soul lighter oh i love soul lighter yes yeah i love his stuff so his quote is um i go out to take a walk i see something i take a picture 
and then I take photographs. Okay? Pretty straight, <laughs> straight, straight down the line, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Lovely little picture of a, a train carriage, and all you can see is a foot, some naughty little man putting his foot on the chair. Yeah. Uh, for Saul Lighter, heading out with his camera was no big deal. It was just something he did every day without personal pressure or expectations. He didn't cover huge distances, but then again, when downtown New York is your shooting ground, you don't yeah, need you to. You don't need to, no. <laughs> Light, Lighter would amble from street to street, from avenue to avenue, only stopping occasionally to take a picture when an abstract observation caught his eye. Sometimes he returned home with nothing. Other times he won big, like the day he peered into an empty train carriage and spotted a simple foot resting yeah. on a seat. Yeah. There we go. Wow. Oh. That's cool. I really like that book, Photographers on Photography, How the Masters See, Think and Shoot. Actually, this was a gift I got for somebody. I was going to send it to them, but I'm not going to now. I keep it. <laughs> was, that, was that my gift? No. <laughs> Yours still hasn't turned up. <laughs> it's out for delivery for the last four days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, did you say there was homework though attached to it? Well, yeah. I was the, the homework is that if you you know you're meant to use this as an inspiration to go out and shoot because that's that's what ah, I need. I need to kick up the butt for I that. See. Okay. Um, rather than just looking at the pictures and going, oh, they're nice. What a fantastic, what a fantastic. Read book. the text. Yeah. Understand. Read, yeah. Um, right, back to questions. Um, one from John Baisley. Um, bump to the front slightly because you're Patreon, of course. Greetings from Cuba Petty, Central Australia. Actually, Cuba Petty. Do you know about Cuba Petty? It, it's really worth looking up. It's 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 um, it's a sort of place right out there. They they were supposed to be a mining community, but I think the mining has kind of shut down across the years. So it's more like a sort of uh, in some in some parts close to it's it's quite a ghost town. I think there's some sort of um, is there an aerospace space? There's a space yeah. launcher place, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, it is. It's quite a fascinating place, and and out there they all live in uh, they all live in sort of these mud uh, mud constructs because it's so hot all the time that even when you go into these mud constructs, it's still 25 degrees, and it's, it's about as cool as you can get it without aircon, I suppose. So, I saw a picture. Uh, John put a picture on Facebook actually yeah. of uh, he, he opened the front door and there was a there was two spiders hanging in a web. Ooh. And he took a picture of them, and and then he said, "Things you just got to look out for when you live in Cooper Pedda. and and it was it, the big spider was a huntsman, mm. and the little spider that had it was eating the big one was a redback. So the <laughs> just little hanging one hanging in his front window. The little one was eating the big one. The li- little one yeah. was yeah. Oh. The little one had won the war. Yeah, yeah, obviously. I'm never going to go and see John. Those huntsman spiders, though, they're <laughs> scary-looking things, but I don't think they're as dangerous as, uh, as obviously, the, uh, the, the little... So the smaller it is, the more dangerous they are. Isn't that the rule in Australia? Pretty much, yeah. yeah those small so, little it's enemies... The same, that, so, it's so, the same so, rule in Merthyr Tidwell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Right. Um, with so many upgrades over the years with camera bodies and lenses from Fujifilm, what justification, if any, in brackets, do you tell yourself when upgrading a camera body or lens when released from Fuji? Take the uh, X100 series as an example. They kept the same lens from the X100 to the X100F, yet they had sensor changes and autofocus upgrades. What is the yes, I have to have that moment when it comes to upgrading your own gear, both personally and professionally? Or is it simply, as a professional, the gradual upgrade of improvements from Fujifilm that you look at to provide the best no-compromise quality image to your clients, which drives you? Or, or do you just well, want the shiny new thing because it's shiny and new? <laughs> yeah, just like opening boxes. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a box. <laughs> I like the smell of new things. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, for me, with the X100, it's a personal, you know, I go, I go deep deep back into the history of that camera and I, and I love it. And so I will always just get one because I want to keep the collection. You know, for like the X100 is a little bit like, you know, having a, having a, an accidental baby, you know, you, you kind of, what? It, it, <laughs> like, Gemma, we have something to tell you. <laughs> I know you're not going to like this very much. Yeah. You didn't really expect it. No. You're always going to love it yeah. and you, you're definitely going to pay for it. So yeah, that's, that's it with the X100, but the other stuff. <laughs> so that's a very emotional connection really to you. Cause I've never kept any of my, I've had every single X100, I think with the exception of the T. Uh, no, no, I had the T, but it's just it's just the V I, I've not had. But um, but I've never kept any of them. I've just I've had them, sold them, got the new one. Yeah, and I haven't had everything. I didn't get the XH. I didn't get the XT4. I did get the XTs because I was using them at weddings. Um, this the XEs I missed out on. And, you know, re- realistically, I only need two cameras to shoot a wedding and a backup. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I sometimes will get stuff because I want to do reviews and YouTube stuff with them. And, you know, you know much to a lot of people still think we, we get all our stuff for free from Fujifilm, the ambassadors. It's not true. We still have to buy it. So, yeah, it's not, 
you can go overboard. Of course, I mean, honestly, if you looked at my cupboard, it's full, full, and I sold a load of stuff in January. Did you? It's full of stuff that I just don't use. I, I suppose I would. Um, the the driving factor for me would very much now be video for for me with Fujifilm. Um, we talked about it earlier in the show. The XH. There was an XH that came out that really said, "Look, I've designed. We've designed this really to be uh, a very good video camera. Um, yes, it does stills, but that, then that for me would be my real driving force to want to change." Um, I know the XT4. It. What's that? Kev? What are you Sorry, doing? You that fall- was my camera again. <laughs> you won't have one left soon. I thought you were falling over. Um, Sorry, I was the, just stroking it. The XT. <laughs> Excuse me. I know, Gemma. I know. Twice now. Um, the XT4, of course, that would have been. Uh, I think that would have been in the bag straight away if it weren't weren't for this. And and I've learned to use the XH1 again. But yeah, that's the that would that's what would drive me with that. And yeah. um, well, that that is it for this week. There is no more uh, before Christmas. Um, well, there is no. There's more before the end of uh, the year because we're coming back next Monday with our sort of sl- slightly whiskied down version. Um, but that's it. Chris, Christmas yeah. to come. Are the kids excited? Uh, yeah, oh, they're like bottles of pop. Yeah, I've got, we've, we've not got them anything though because can't afford it. <laughs> You're gonna have coal, kids. Coal. Be done um, with it. Yeah. So, but we, we should say, you know, we should really say happy for those of you that celebrate it. Happy Christmas and happy holidays and all of that stuff. And and 2020 has been shit, basically. <laughs> Well, Kev, Kev, be, careful, be careful with the language over the music. It's much harder to bleep out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, it's, been, it's been a terrible year for uh, pretty much everybody. So, uh, you know, Neil and I do definitely appreciate you hanging around for the bumpy old ride with us. Yeah. And, uh, have, a, have a happy Christmas well, and we will see I mean, you. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it next week, obviously, when we, we have our sort of approaching New Year thing. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, I suppose really the, the support that you gave us during the uh, when we went daily for a while during the first lockdown, um, was was incredible. I mean, I think otherwise, I certainly would have felt a bit like a spare part during the during those three months. Um, yep, it was it was good. So thank you. That's that's as emotional as I get. Yeah, that's, Jeff. that's it. <laughs> You've had your emotional bit from Kev. What My do you virtual think? man hug to you all. Yeah. What what, what what do you do for your Christmas day then? Um, well, it's weird this year, isn't it? Because there's no family involved or anything, so we, we can, will. You can have family, but I think your family are too far away, aren't they, or something? Or... Uh, yeah, we, 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 my mum, my mum just won't have us in the house, no. um, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't normally go there on Christmas Day anyway. But no. Christmas Eve, we're booked into mass on Christmas Eve, six p.m. We had to book our slot, um, and then yeah, we'll just have a quiet family, just the four of us. Yeah. I'm really quite looking forward to it. Yeah. You know, I lock the lock the dogs in the garden for the day, so they can't. <laughs> No, not Git. It needs to be part of Christmas as well. Don't you dare be cruel to my Git. <laughs> right. We'll, we'll see you next week. Have a lovely, lovely Christmas. And um, if you're celebrating it, as Kev said, and we'll see the other side uh, for next Monday's show as we head inexorably towards, thank God, 2021. Yay! Please bring more for us. Thank you. Have a happy Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The FujiCast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.